In this episode, we talk to advocates in different parts of Puerto Rico who have experience in or plans of developing resilience centers within communities. We discuss how these centers provide or will provide essential services to residents during an emergency and how microgrids may boost their resilience. Today, we're joined by Captain Richard Burt, a veteran of the Las Vegas Fire and Rescue Department. In the name of community resilience and safety, he has taken the initiative to develop microgrids for emergency response centers in municipalities of Puerto Rico, including San Juan, San Sebastián, and Humacao. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you, and thanks for having me. All right, so I guess we can start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, great. So my name's Captain Richard Burt. I uh, actually just retired uh, this year, January 8th but who's counting from uh, Las Vegas Fire and Rescue. I've been a firefighter paramedic for 30 years. And basically I came over to the States from England um, when I was a young man and I've worked at the community level as a firefighter in the United States for 30 years. And basically my life's been oriented around service to communities. And I basically brought up a connection to solar. So that's where I've kind of had my passion for soul and how it's connected to life and death in the in the service. 30 years of being a firefighter paramedic, I've dealt with life and death, and I've made that connection with solar and batteries and how it can save lives. So I'm excited to tell you about that and what I've discovered. Great. Thank you. So could you tell us a bit about what inspired you to advocate for clean energy and community resilience? Yeah, so... Where it started was in Las Vegas. If you stand on the Vegas Strip and look to the north, there's some mountains. And I lived in a community up in the mountains that was completely off-grid. So I had about an hour and a half commute to work, and I was on a technical rescue team. And I lived up in the mountains, and we had a community of 150 homes with no electrical grid. So as we know it, poles and wires, underground wires feeding homes, there was none of that. Every home in my community lived off the sun, the 150 homes run by the sun with solar and batteries. And so it was a visceral experience for me, as in I woke up every day and my house was powered by solar panels and batteries. And I woke up the next day. And and so you build over 14 years, you build this idea of what the capacity is. And it's a new source of energy and it's a clean source of energy. And so fundamentally, that's what was really driving me to be this advocate of renewables because I lived in a community that did that. And I could see the vulnerabilities in communities with wires and the grid we have now. So that's where the true connection was made. And I started basically lecturing on that. So my idea was to say, okay, I've lived it viscerally. I understand it. I built my home. I designed my system. I installed it. I understand it. Now I've got to start lecturing and talking to people about why this type of technology can save thousands of lives. Yeah, that's really amazing. And so you say that you lecture about solar, and then you also are working on projects in Puerto Rico. Could you tell us a little bit about that work in Puerto Rico and why you were interested in pursuing solar panels in Puerto Rico? Yeah, sure. So again, what I did was I started to build a platform. So I designed a, a educational platform called Solar and Fire Education, and it's sponsored by Sunrun, which is a very large solar company. But what I do is I lecture around the United States to emergency responders about not only how to safely mitigate an incident with this new technology, because there's a few things we've got to do differently, but how 
a community based on solar and batteries saves lives. And so what happened with the hurricane Maria came through, I was in a position to contact the solar industry, to contact the fire service, and to ask in Puerto Rico, what are your needs? So I directly contacted the fire service, my brothers and sisters, and said, okay, I'm an expert in energy and resilient energy. Do you need that? And it was a resounding yes. They had firefighters. You've got to understand, the island had firefighters, had emergency equipment. But if you have no electricity, you can't dispatch anything. You can't receive 911 calls. So you have an asset that's blind and can't do anything. And thousands of people were dying on the island, not because of a collapse of a building or because a tree fell on, on them or they drowned. People were literally dying on that island, thousands, because of an electron, because they didn't have secure electricity. So what I did was I rallied the troops together, worked very closely with Empowered by Light, which is an amazing nonprofit organization, worked with Sunrun who donated the equipment. And what we did is we launched a mission to Puerto Rico. Mark Ruffalo was very involved and got me a cargo plane. So what we did was I was able to bring an electron, a basically a system. We built an off-grid system just like my community and started saving lives. And we did it by putting it in fire stations. The generator was broken. There was no diesel. And if there was diesel, it was contaminated by water. They had resources on the ground with firefighters reporting to work to save people. But again, they had no way of communicating. So what we did is we built these systems in these fire stations and basically provided electricity so they could receive, dispatch, communicate, and coordinate and save hundreds of lives through this resilient new technology. Because the diesel generators had completely failed. And so I was able to prove this in Puerto Rico. And to date, we've done 11 fire stations with Empowered by Light. So imagine on the island from north, east, west, and south. Imagine on the island, you have now these groups of emergency services that are backed up by this new technology. So when the power goes out, which it does all the time, you still have the resiliency built in to the staff, the paramedics and the firefighters, so they can respond to calls. So again, this type of energy is actually connected to saving hundreds of people's lives. Wow, yeah. As, as a Puerto Rican, I just want to say thank you for, for the work you've done. And going on to our next question, what have been the biggest obstacles you've had to deal with during these projects? Okay, so looking at this model, that we've talked about. I was in San Juan and I said, where is one of the poorest blue collar, hardworking people neighborhoods? And the, everybody, it was a resounding, okay, Barrio Burra. So basically what we did was we put a system in there almost right off the bat. And what we found was the resistance wasn't from the community because people said, well, there's a safety factor there. Well, we went in with a team and there was no safety factor there. Everyone was like, wow, what are you doing? We're doing this. We're backing up the fire station so they can help you. Where there was pushback is the idea that basically Puerto Rico is going to try and build the same grid that failed. So I've got systems in 
downtown metro fire station that runs their 911 center for 2 million people in Angeles, in the mountains, in Laris, San Sebastian, Castaner, Las Marias, even on the island of Vieques, Ajuntas. I have these fire stations. But what's happening is they're throwing money at a grid system that will fail on the next Cat 4 or Cat 5. And so instead of reversing the process and looking at what we've done and building resiliency from the point of use of electricity in the sense of these communities, if they're cut off, if we can build electricity where people have solar and batteries on their homes, we can reverse engineer the grid. It feeds into the grid. So it's very important to have the grid up and running. I'm not saying get rid of the power company. What I'm saying is you reverse engineer it. So if these communities are resilient, so when the grid does go down, that they can still look after the citizens, the fire departments and the paramedics can run their calls and the people are resilient enough to have refrigeration and some lights. You take the elderly population in Puerto Rico and there's tons of veterans too that live on the island of Puerto Rico. Now, you take that vulnerable population, you take away electricity. What you're dealing with in mountainous areas, in areas that get cut off quite easily, you're talking about a situation where there's no resiliency because they rely on that power pole, on that power line running to it. If you can change that, what we're looking at is a very resilient island. And to me, that's one of the biggest things why Puerto Rico is the perfect model for the world. What I've done so far and what I've looked at and going back to these systems, I looked at a system in downtown San Juan, the 911 center. They have their dispatch center plugged into the system we put in four years ago, and they have not unplugged it. And basically, it has run without a fault, without an interruption, serving 2 million people for four years. So we've proven it. We've proven this model. Now the idea is to implement this as a virtual grid, as in people's homes. If you have an elderly couple who have basically some respiratory problems, who maybe have COPD or emphysema, and they, they have an oxygen machine where they basically plug it in, it's low voltage, and it produces a small amount of oxygen, which enables them to have a good quality of life and keep them alive. It's not drastic. It's not something that is critical to the grid in the sense of draws a lot of electricity. It's a tiny voltage. It's a tiny voltage draw. If the power goes out, that person now is stranded and starts to desaturate, starts to lose oxygen. And if you can provide small amount of backup to these homes, I'm not talking about living in a home with large air conditioners. I'm talking about simple, resilient electricity like fridges to keep insulin cold, for oxygen machines, for CPAP machines, for a nebulizer for a kid with asthma. We're looking at a whole different profile for that island. We're looking at thousands of people who would be resilient. Even if you do disaster relief shelter in place areas, I've suggested this to the HUD people, is if you can take, a, for example, a school, and you can put solar and batteries in that school. Number one, it's helping the school because obviously there's not a big draw from the grid and you help the grid with electricity. Number two, when there is emergency and the grid is interrupted, where would a kid 
be happy to go to in an emergency, in a scary situation. If a kid goes to their own school and think of the parents picking their schools up, they know where they are. They know where these schools are located. They become critical infrastructure. And the way the island, Puerto Rico, is laid out, you could build this really amazing critical infrastructure across the island. It would help the grid. It would be part of the grid services demand at like five o'clock when they basically run out of electricity and the grid needs electricity. That way they could use the battery from these schools if there's no emergency going on and these fire stations and these shelters and push it to the grid. So it's a win-win. It's now a matter of gathering all those components and actually talking about it at a level where it gets implemented. And that's where For me, my job is to say this is connected to life and death. This is not a financial obligation. We should be working as a team to save lives. And that's the critical point. We have a renewable technology that can save lives. We've proven it. Now we've got to bring all the stakeholders together and basically start saving lives by actually implementing this new technology. That's all we have time for today, folks. It's been fantastic hearing about Richard's passion for solar energy and his experience working on microgrids in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. In a few weeks, we'll be back to continue our conversation with Richard. In the meantime, remember to keep up with Climable on social media and reach out to us with questions, comments, and ideas. 